grateful for who you are in our lives. We worship you, Lord, and together we praise your name, for you are good and your love endures forever. Thank you, Lord, that nothing can separate us from your love ever again. Thank you for your blood covenant that seals us and restores us, that we are your children now. Thank you for your sacrifice. I declare it over the place today, that whom the Son sets free is free. We are free now because of your blood and forevermore because of the love that you showed us by dying for us on the cross. I declare it over every family here, over their children and their families, and over their futures. And I thank you, Lord, that we come today to learn how to be pure in your eyes. But first of all, Lord, you made us pure because of your blood. Your sacrifice allows us to be pure like we've never sinned. But I pray from today, Lord, that you can actually work in our hearts so we can truly worship you out of a pure heart. Amen. Amen. How are we all today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for everything. When I was worshipping, I'm going to begin to flow a bit more in the Spirit, as the Lord permits me. But as we're worshipping, there are some people here that haven't forgiven their parents. And uh, from favoritism, the Holy Spirit showed me a few faces that you are to make peace with them. I'm not putting anyone on the spot. As the Holy Spirit directs me, He begins to show me the, the, the people that need to address this. The Holy Spirit showed me a lot of um, unforgiveness came from favoritism or being neglected. So make peace in your heart today and take that to the Lord. He will heal and restore. Amen. So there are some people here that have feel, felt as a result of unforgiveness, they felt neglected or they felt like uh, other children were shown favoritism uh, rather than themselves. So if that's, that's been you, just bring that to the Lord. Because I saw warfare ceasing in your life. And I saw a lot of that, a lot of that um, warfare coming from that hurt from the parents. I also saw someone... Um, I don't know if they're in the room, but I saw someone here uh, getting beaten up by his father. And he's grown up now with the spirit of anger. He's very angry in life. And I like to pray for that person at the end of the night. Who's ready for today? Who likes to hear some testimonies? We like testimonies. Um, is, is she here? Ashley's not here, is she? Ashley? Yeah. 
Ash? No? No. So I got I got invited to pray for someone in the UK three months ago, I think it was three months. Yeah, roughly around three months. I don't know exactly the time. And the man was an atheist. Who organized the, who organized the mission for me was uh, um, a girl that I led to the Lord a year ago, I think. So her friend is a Christian, and her brother has lymphoma cancer, and it spread through his whole body. And they organized a WhatsApp video call, just me and him. And she was, um, she was there listening in the background, but it was just me and him. And the Holy Spirit said something about, about his life. And it was beautiful, because I give glory to Jesus today. But it was beautiful. The Holy Spirit unlocked something in his heart um, that he only knew about. And he received Jesus as his Savior. And I got um, a phone call. Oh, sorry, I got a message two days ago that he's better. So I said, it took you for a while. It took a while for you to message me. They said, yeah, he was better. From after you prayed, it all started to shrink. And I said, God is good. And this was an atheist man. And it was a beautiful testament. I share it with you. Also, something that came to me that I like to address. I don't think they're all here. <coughs> but the Holy Spirit started to show me faces um, of people that are forced to be here. Now, don't take it as an insult. But I saw some husbands coming because they're forced to be here. I saw some wives coming because they're forced to be here. I saw people in general coming because they're forced to be here from their parents, from people around them. And I'm not here to catch you, but I'm here to tell you that type of approach hurts God because he wants you to receive him. He wants you to not feel pressured to come to him. He's gentle, he's loving, he's compassionate. So for anyone feeling like they're forced from their friend or from their father or their mother or their husband or their wife, uh, the Holy Spirit's not happy like that because you're coming to him, you're not coming to this uh, man or this place here. We're coming to learn about him. Now, there were a few other faces that I saw that are not here, but the Holy Spirit wanted me to address that. You're coming to Christ. You've got to come with the right attitude and the right heart to actually receive from him. Amen? So, just think about that. Because at the end, we want you to receive. We want you to receive from the Holy Spirit. Also, like I said, that man that has been beaten up from his father at a young age, and as a result, he, he grew in anger, and now he operates in the spirit of anger. I'd like to pray for you. You know who you are. You come up. Please. Jesus wants to free you. Amen? Okay. Everyone will benefit from this topic. And whoever doesn't, you 
come and see me at the front after. <laughs> that I'll permit to come. <laughs> so we all, you all remember what I'm preaching about? I'm preaching about wisdom. How many principles does wisdom have? Can we just get it up there? James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. James chapter 3, yeah, all good. Um, so we're talking about the seven principles of wisdom. Uh, can, I, can I be humble with you? I want to take my time. I don't want to rush any message because I want to give the value to the Holy Spirit and to the Word that it's penetrated in everyone's heart today. Because this is being pure, um, through the wisdom of God is, pr is so important and it's the truth that we stand on today what does the beatitude say blessed are those pure in heart for they you will see God it's very powerful that you understand this blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God Now, we're talking about the seven principles of wisdom. I shared a little um, treasure with you last week that David struck Goliath with seven, or he had seven weapons, the, the five stones, the sling and the staff. He struck him with the wisdom of God. And it's very powerful, these teachings from the Holy Spirit. So this is a deep reflection when you hear this word today in your hearts because you need to ask yourself what are you really searching for what are you really looking for when you come to Christ what are you actually looking for what are you really looking for you begin to think the things that needs to be worked on inside your heart so let's have a look at this so who is wise and understanding among you let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Now, could we just uh, say so here, you start to see the wisdom that is attracted to hell. Do you really want to be part of it? Do you actually want to be part of a wisdom that, that hell is attracted to in your life? Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. One, peaceable. Two, gentle. Three, willing to yield. Four, full of mercy and good fruits. Five, without partiality. Six, and without hypocrisy. Seven, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out seven pillars. So to, the word hewn means to carve like with a stone. 
And I spoke about last week that Peter says we are living stones. Why does he say we're living stones? Because we are continuously getting carved so we can change. We understand that? If your journey with the Lord is to continuously change, that's what it really means to walk with the Lord. He wants us to change. He wants us to mature. He wants us to grow. And that has to be our focus in our journey because the truth be told, we are, we are, we are on borrowed time. We are on borrowed time. The Bible says, in the wisdom of God, teach us to number our days. What does that tell you? We're on borrowed time. Our time is not going to last forever, is it? Our time's not going to last forever. You have the ability now, through the wisdom of God, to actually change your life. Don't spoil it or waste it. And that's the truth. It says, teach us in the wisdom of God to number our days because the days are evil. What does that mean, the days are evil? It means that people spend the majority of their time doing nothing. It's wasted. A bit of social media, a bit of the internet, a bit of uh, things for the world. The days are evil. We can very easily get comfortable doing nothing. That doesn't benefit our walk. So something that the Holy Spirit shared with me, for the people that missed out, I'll give you a little snippet of the importance it is to come early. No pressure. But the Holy Spirit showed me a picture when I was praying. You know when someone dies, they, they put the voltage on their heart. They put the, what, what is it called? Whatever it's called. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit showed me. Take it easy. The Holy Spirit showed me a machine hitting a Christian heart, and it's a picture of us Christians that, like, we are breathing, but we are dead. We are. It's like Christianity today is gasping gasping for air, for the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit showed me to, to teach you how I actually shocked my system. Because when you put that on your heart, you're shocking your heart. And the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with the people here before that I would spend all day with the Lord in the Word, in worship, deep reflection, studying about my heart, about the condition of my heart, where I want to go for the Lord. I would shock my system in one day. I would shock my system so I can walk with Christ and be uh, more mature with Him, more devoted to Him. And the Holy Spirit showed me uh, that thing that I was shocking my heart so I can be uh, more committed to Him and to break that structure of habit. And I just wanted to share with you that it's healthy, it's healthy to spend or choose a day in a week. It's healthy to choose a day in a week to spend all day with the Lord. You break that structure. And I asked all the people that were here in the beginning, how many hands, hands up here who spends all day with the Lord? No one put their hand up. I said, hands up here who spends all day on themselves? Everyone put their hand up. But it's so common for us in, in, in this life. 
we're trained so much to spend our time on ourselves. But I told them that God, God doesn't want our time. He wants us. God wants me. He doesn't want my time, though it is part of it. God wants me. And when I understood that God wants me, I started to give him my time. But I shocked my system in the beginning. I broke that pattern of habit of what does God deserve? How much time does he deserve from me? And from starting from somewhere, an anchor point, I started to grow. But I shocked my system. And it is a shock because in the flesh, you're doing what you want. Uh, it's, it's maybe not evil to you, but if it's not rooted and centered in Christ where you're in the presence, then it's no value to God. So I just wanted to share what I was showing with that machine. That we're shocking our heart, bringing it back to life. Sometimes you need to shock yourself to begin that process and pattern. Okay. Now, So someone who has a Ford Ranger, um, is not everyone has a Ford Ranger. <laughs> so EQG 57B have left their lights on. A black Ford Ranger, if it belongs to you, just go turn it off. Okay. I'll share where the Holy Spirit took me in the beginning of this message. When it comes to wisdom, the greatest wisdom you can hear in the beginning, when it comes to wisdom, I want to ask the people, when it comes to the wisdom of God, what do you think the most important area in your life is? When it comes to the wisdom of God, what do you think the most important principle is? Anyone here? Let's say in the beginning of your journey, you want to learn about God's wisdom. What's the most important thing you need to hear? Truth. What's that? Truth. Truth. What's something that would kickstart your journey? Love. Love? Good. Clap for him. Good girl. You're on point today. It's true. The most important wisdom you need to hear in the beginning is love. Because love can accept anything. Love can uh, allow you to die for Christ. <laughs> we go to just to Psalms 107, verse 43. Isn't it interesting that he sent his word and healed them as part of that chapter? Psalms 107, verse 43. Now, isn't it interesting here? The greatest wisdom that one can acquire to, to not only to kickstart their journey, but for every aspect of their life is to understand God's loving kindness. <clears throat> every battle that I went through, every battle that I went through in my journey allowed me to accept anything from the Lord. 
because I know that he loves me. <clears throat> and here it says here, whoever is what? Wise. We're talking about the wisdom of God here. And it's inscripted in many treasures throughout the whole Bible. There's beautiful scriptures that, that brings all the wisdom together so we can actually grow. <clears throat> it said here, whoever is wise will observe these things. What does it mean to observe? What does it mean to observe? Follow? Draw your attention? Motivate? Meditate? I can't, uh, one at a time. Put it into practice. So isn't it interesting? You start to see that the greatest wisdom is God's love, yet the greatest attack of the enemy is to steal your love. You're going to learn today how the enemy steals wisdom from your life. <laughs> Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. This is the foundation that would allow you to actually grow. What does the Bible say? It is the goodness or the kindness of the Lord that leads to what? you start to see that a lot of change is birthed by love or the kindness or the mercy of God. You need to understand this. When you're loved by the Lord, you would accept change. When you, when you don't believe you're loved by the Lord, you would struggle to change. So many people say, I struggle to change. The truth is, is that the foundation that you've started on is not a, a healthy one from the Lord. Love is the, is the first foundation that you are to build around. God so loved the world, he gave up his son. So love is the first and major principle for you to move forward. Okay? What's the opposite of love? Un condemnation, unworthiness, guilt, hate, separate from God. You start to see in the beginning how the enemy wages a war against the believer. God loves you. This is how you move forward. I like to address this. Could we quickly go to Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 quickly just before I start? Someone asked me, what is the true meaning? What is the true meaning of wisdom and understanding? And it's a good question. Sam asked it to me last week. And I like to answer him and the people here of what it actually means. So here it says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. 
So here, he's talking about two major principles that we are to focus on. Wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, I've got the answer for you. This is the most important foundation around the wisdom. We go quickly to Job 28, 28. So here we're speaking about wisdom and understanding. Okay. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. What is wisdom? It is the fear of the Lord. And to depart from evil is understanding. So you begin to see what Paul was actually praying for. Not he didn't stop ceasing to pray for the believers that they will actually function, not only in the fear of the Lord, but understanding to actually depart from it. Because so many people know the fear of the Lord, but they haven't received understanding that actually allows them to be disconnected from it. How many people know that the fear of the Lord is the most important thing in, in, the, in the important thing of from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation? It's interesting that the wisdom by itself um, is not fulfilling. Wisdom and understanding are together because wisdom tells you that I have to fear the Lord. Understanding tells you that you have the power to overcome it. Do we understand? So wisdom in a nutshell is I need to fear the Lord and I have, the, I have understanding to actually disconnect myself from it. We're understanding? Because everyone knows the fear of the Lord, but understanding gives you the grace to actually overcome it, to get out of it. Okay? I just wanted to share that because it's a good question. And the Bible actually answers it clearly. The fear of the Lord and, and to depart from it is understanding. Okay. We go, to, we go quickly to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Now, a lot of people have read this scripture, but they miss out on the most important thing. When you grab the Bible, when you grab the Bible, how are you meant to grab it? Here, he's saying as new, new, newborn babes. Why newborn babes? Why is it a newborn? Why does he say that for newborn babes? Why does he say for newborn babes? Because you've just become born again from above. You've just given your life to Christ. Now God sees you as a newborn babe. So, he, so he's telling you here, if you don't approach the word like this, you're going to fail. And here he's saying here, like newborn babes babies, you should long for what? One principle here. What are we speaking about today? The first principle of wisdom. It begins how you actually read to be pure. Now can I ask you as a humble question, do you actually read the Word of God to be pure? Yes. 
you will see that's when God actually starts to work and have your heart. The God asks you first, when you open the Bible, your approach must be to become pure. Can you think about that now? Just think about that now. Like a, like a mirror, amen, like a reflection, very good. But can I just ask you something? That book that holds the key to life begins with what? Reading the word to be pure. Well, that's why the Lord silenced me for many years in the beginning. Because <laughs> there was a deep work he was doing in me. <laughs> This the ones who get saved and they start talking too much, you be worried about them. <laughs> if your approach, if your approach is to read the word and to become pure, then God will begin to establish you of who He called you to be. Christianity today, um, let's get a speaker and let's go preach on the streets. Or let's see if we can get the power of God. Listen, don't worry about these things. God requires you first, when you grab your Bible, work on your heart. Everything follows naturally when you have a pure heart. You don't have to push, you don't have to force, you don't have to scream. It comes in your hands. And God establish us on the right and a healthy foundation. As newborn babes, go after the first principle. Read the word of God to be pure. You would not look outside. You would look inside of your heart. For a very long time, let me tell you that. For a very long time. A lot of people don't give value to that verse here. You've just become born again, and God sees you as a newborn babe. He's saying, crave the pure, the pure, the pure, the pure milk of the word. Here in this place, we're here to set the right foundation, right? There's so much that we hear outside that doesn't establish someone in the right foundation. And that's not to tear down any other churches, but it's just to show us how shallow we are in the Word. It shows us that we're not like the noble Bereans, that when Paul opened his mouth, they were in agreement because they knew the Scripture. Today we believe anything. Today we believe anything. Anything that says that life's going to be better, we believe it. So when hardship comes, we crumble because there's no foundation to prepare us for that. You will have hardship. You will have challenges. You'll be in valleys. 
And so many people crumble when they get there because they're not prepared for it. I'm not promoting it. I'm just telling you the things that will happen. So it shows us how shallow we are in the Word of God. There's a balance, the Word and the Spirit. The flesh profits nothing. It's the words I speak to you. They are the Spirit and they are the life. So I spend a lot of time in the Word to become pure. And I still am, I tell you this now. But that's how I'm approaching God. That's how I'm walking with Him. Don't you want to please Him? Focus on the right things. Pure is such a, a massive foundation. First John chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, and then I'll start the service. No, I'm actually, I haven't started it yet. I haven't actually started it yet. <laughs> First John chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Can everyone online hear me? We're sweet? Good? All right. So look at this here. First John chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. See what incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us. Remember that first principle of wisdom is the love. Yes, we're on board. Now he's given us that love. Jesus says no one can come to me unless Father draws them. So he's showing us now that the Father has draw, drawn his Son to us. That we would be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. For this reason the world does not know us. Because he did not know him. Beloved, we are even here and now children of God, and it is not yet made clear what will be after his coming. We know that when he comes and is revealed, we will, as his children, be like him, because we will see him just as he is in all his glory. And everyone who has this hope. Everyone who has this hope and prepares to actually see the Lord focuses on one area. Focuses on one area. One, one condition that is required from you and the most important one that leads to heaven is that you purify yourself. Can I ask you something? Why does the Bible say the one who stands firm to the end shall be saved? Why does it say in the beginning? Why does it say the one who stands firm to the end shall be saved? Because the end result is how you actually treated the Lord. The end result will show if you really 
were a believer and really committed to him. And if you're really a believer and you're really committed to him, or you would focus on one major principle, to become pure as he is. The only condition, the only condition that Jesus requires you to focus on from now until you see him is that you purify yourself. The other people on the other hand got it wrong. Lord, we done this in your name. Lord, we casted out demons. Lord, we prophesied. Go away. You commit lawlessness. They didn't allow the Holy Spirit to purify them. They allowed the Holy Spirit to work through them, not purify them. And they were, unfortunately, there were believers at the end of the age when Jesus was going to judge them, where they gnashed their teeth and they were cast in outer darkness because they didn't focus on the major principle to purify themselves. There is a false grace out there and I told you this from before, run for your life. Because anyone who doesn't convict you is not from God. And everyone who has this hope, confidently placed in him, purifies himself, just as he is pure, holy, undefiled, and guiltless. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness and sin is lawlessness ignoring God's law by action or neglect or by tolerating wrongdoing being unrestrained by his commands and his will I'm reading the right Bible yeah so so many people they quote the couple of verses then they leave this section out to make them feel comfortable about themselves Now, I'm not trying to catch anyone out here. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm not here to make people feel uncomfortable. The word makes you uncomfortable. Because it demands a change because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, look at this here. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness, ignoring God's law by action or neglect. Here it speaks of ignorance here. Here it speaks about tolerating wrongdoing. Tolerating wrongdoing lacks what? Here? The fear of the Lord. Uh, can someone say this? Being unrestrained, no boundaries. By his commands and his will. You know that he appeared. Now here he's showing you why he appeared. You know that he appeared in visible form as a man in order to take away sins. And in him there is absolutely no sin. For he has neither the sin nature nor he has committed sin or acts worthy of blame. Now this is the catch. No one abides in him who remains united in fellowship with him deliberately, knowingly and habitually. Practices sin. No one who habitually sins has seen him or known him. I'm reading the right Bible, right? Thank God. Mm -hmm. 
you'll be shocked where the Holy Spirit took me for this session here. <laughs> uh. So the first requirement, the first requirement of the Lord is that you read the Word of God to be pure. Don't read the Word of God to be someone. Don't read the Word of God to go preach. I'm telling you here. Go through the structure of God. Go through the process of God. So when you come out of it, when, when you come out of it, when you come out of it, it lasts forever. Whenever God commands you to go and do something, it lasts forever because you've dealt with these areas and you've closed those doors. And walking in purity does that. So now I start my service. Now I start it. That's just, a, just to show you how important it is. Okay? So, I spoke about chest. Remember chest? I spoke about the meaning of chest. It defines to be morally pure in thought, behavior, speech, conversation, and actions. That's the definition of pure. That's, there, was, there was four words. I'm, I spoke last week about that one about being pure, being morally pure in thought, behavior, speech, conversation, actions. The next word from pure, I'm breaking down the wisdom, which is pure. The second word, the first word was chest from the Esword. The Esword was hagnos, uh, Strong's 53, for whoever is following. And that's from the Thayer dictionary that's connected to the Esword. So the first word was to be chest. The second word means to be pure from every fault. This is the second definition of what it means to be pure in God's eyes. Pure from every fault. Now, that statement focuses on two areas in a believer. Are we ready to hear? <laughs> this, one. this one is a challenging one, this one. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. This is the next definition of what it means to be pure and how to walk in the wisdom of God. Pure from every fault. What does it mean for us? I'm going to break it down and show you. So, look what it says here. Do, do what, sorry? Oh, not only for God, but everything in your life. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Next. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God. Remember that scripture? Um, now we become children of God, First John, remember? He's showing you the meaning of what it means to become a child of God. Now, remember the levels? The babe, the little children, children... Son, you start to see the levels. Here he's talking about us the second level. The second level here, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Okay? 
So here he's showing us the area we are to focus on. What are the two words? Complaining and disputing. What is he really talking about? I'm going to show, show you here in the scripture. Can we go to, is there one more scripture? Or that's it? One more. Holding fast to what, sorry? Holding fast back to the word. So purity comes when you crave the pure milk of the word. He's taking you back now. This structure is established by where? The Holy Spirit or the word of God? This structure is established by the word of God. See, the Holy Spirit is not going to speak to you regarding these things. It's established in the word of God. Are we understanding someone? So this establishment is from the word. There are different things that the Holy Spirit will speak regarding your journey and regarding the will of God. But here, most of it's in the word. The Holy Spirit's not going to come to you every single time. Be pure, my son. Be pure, my son. He's already told you the depth of it in the word. Holding fast the word of life said that you may rejoice in the day. In which day, sorry, again? He's taken us back to the day and the coming of the Lord. You start to see? You know all their teachings speaks about that great day. How you're going to be prepared for that day. People are prepared to be in heaven already. Here he's preparing them to actually meet the Lord. Wow. So many people here are preparing, they're ready in heaven. Here he's preparing them about your first encounter with the Lord. Now here, look at this. So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Just something to think about. All the mighty disciples and apostles, they didn't even speak that they're already in heaven. They spoke about that great day, how it's going to look like. And there's going to be the false believer and the true believer. The true believer focuses on the right things. Don't make a mistake. Because God doesn't want anyone to perish. Everyone to come to repentance. And the scripture, I'm sorry to tell you, the scripture interprets itself. It's just that people don't go there because it makes people uncomfortable. When I went to Brazil, I made everyone uncomfortable. I actually did. Because the same way the Holy Spirit speaks to me here, I spoke there and even more. Bring order. God wants order. As long as order is coming, change is coming. If there's order, there's change. If there's no order, there's no change. Made people so uncomfortable. Okay. Now, let's get into this one. Complaining. Complaining. I'm going to show you a little treasure of what's really happening inside of you. So I don't expect any amens today. <laughs> I've accepted that many years ago. I'm not going to get amens. I've accepted that. But in heaven, they're all telling me, amen. <laughs> but maybe here, maybe not. <laughs> are you ready? 
I'm going to show you why you really complain. <clears throat> so the word complaining for those who are following. So the wisdom of God or the, the purity of God focuses on two areas in your life. Complaining and disputing. Complaining is from the Strong's. One, 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 two. Whoever is following here. The word is gongumus. It's actually, that's the word. Gongusmus. <laughs> so the word is gongusmus. <laughs> I always set myself up. I always, Tammy is good? Tell me that she's through the towel. Through the towel. Gongusmus. Okay, are you ready? This is how God sees complaining. The first one a secret debate within you, a secret displeasure within you. Grumbling, whinging, annoyance, a grievance, or a protest within you. Now we get a bit deeper. This is starts to show itself externally now. To speak against someone. To find fault with people. To fault find when situations appear. I read it out again. This is how God sees complaining, but I'm going to take you to one root of where it all comes from. So, like I said... The Strong's 1112. That's the Strong's for the word complaining. So, a secret debate within you. Where does complaining start? Secret debate. Secret. A s uh, secret displeasure within you. A grumbling, a whinging, an annoyance, a grievance, a protest, to speak against someone, to fault find with people, to fault find when situations appear. You know, I've met so many people that wait for something to happen so they can find a situation that feeds what's inside of them. And it's an evil heart. They s uh, naturally speak against someone. Or to fault find with people. You know, I find that a lot of people that do that cannot encourage anyone. They struggle to encourage anyone. <coughs> so I wrote here, people who suffer from this can never encourage anyone but only criticize. Are you ready to see where it comes from? Are we ready? So a person who complains, a person who secretly debates within them, a secret displeasure within them, they're grumbling, they whinge, they have an annoyance, they have a grievance, they have a protest, to speak against someone, to fault find with people, and to fault find when situations appear. They lack one major thing. You know what it is? Let's see if someone can guess this. 
So what is the biggest issue inside of them that allows someone to do this? So please put your hand up, get a microphone, because all the people, they're waiting for this answer. Uh, so I get, just get a microphone. No, no, the people want to hear on there. I know you have a loud voice. We all have loud voice, but just get a microphone. So if any, whoever, so no one's read my notes, only the, Jesse, you read my notes, Jesse. No, you didn't read my notes? Okay, so start with that lady, then go to Jesse. Control? Control, okay. I'll tell you when you get it. So all those things, someone that does that, what's the real issue inside of them? Lack of love. Keep going. So there's a microphone. Pride. Acceptance. I always choose the right ones to work the Jealousy. people. Jealousy. Keep going. Here we go. Bitterness. Close. Envy. Close. Oh, she comes again. Coming again, are you? Boredom? No, no. You're off now. You started good, you went off now. <laughs> you started good, you were up now. <laughs> What's the real issue? Let me read them out again. A person who has a complaining heart or a disputing heart, they have secret debates within them, there's a secret displeasure within them. They're always grumbling, whinging, annoyance. There's a grievance inside them. They're always protesting with inside of them to speak against someone, to fault find with people, and to fault find when situations appear. Not being content. <laughs> she got it. <laughs> Ready to tell her? <laughs> well done. Well done. Not being content. Not being content in your heart or in your life in general. So we're going deeper now. We're getting the excavator now. We've got to change the excavator head. We've got to put the kanga on it now to break that rock. So a person who does all these things. When I saw that fallen angel in the dream, please pay attention here. When I saw that fallen angel in my dream, I saw what our people were under. I saw what our people were under. They were held by a fallen angel and all the demons were attacking so many people in the congregation. And the Holy Spirit showed me of where that spirit is attacking our people. Now most of our people here, unfortunately, they are suffering from this. Where there's a where there's there's such a lack of contentment in their heart, and they're not happy with themselves with Christ, and they're not happy with their life in general. That gives them a license to do all those things. So the issue with someone who complains or disputes goes a little bit more deeper. That someone's not content in life. Can I tell you something? I see it hiding marriages. 
I see a hide by how people bring up their children. I see a hide in the church here. I see a hide in workplaces. I see a hide when any blessing comes in their life, it's destroyed. I see a hide. I see a hide in every aspect. Because when you're not content, you attack the very thing that's closest to you. When you're not content, you attack the very thing that's closest to you. Your husband, your wife, your children, the believers, your leader. Because there's a discontentment inside your heart. And you know, you know the, the thing is, how would someone really get healed from that? Nothing you do or nothing how you obey or bow down to them can fix that. Can you, can, can you fix someone that has a discontentment? But yet so many people bow down to it. In marriages, so many husbands or wives, they bow down to it to avoid conflict or trouble. To keep the peace, keep my family together. When that person has a discontentment and she attacks me, I don't want to cause trouble, I'm going to bow down. Yes, sir, thank you very much. But so many marriages, it's under attack like this. This is what I'm seeing. To avoid conflict or confrontation, or to avoid um, really bringing it to the light, you have to see it. And God help you if you're not on the same page to understand that this is not right. That's how I see the Lord working here now. It's true. I've seen wives get attacked because inside the husband's heart they're not content. I see the wife attacking the husband because inside of her heart she's not content. When he changes then I'll be happy. No, the issue is your heart, my sister. The issue is your heart within you. You're not content with Christ. He hasn't healed and restored that place in your heart. So let me keep going, please. So, are you ready for this? Make no mistake, when you complain or when you have a lack of contentment in your heart, it's directed at one person, God. God alone. Scripture. Exodus 16 8. When you complain about any situation, all the people here now, they're listening, you're doing it against God Himself. Exodus 16 8. This was the scripture when God was just about to rain down bread and quail and to feed the Israelites, he just took them out of Egypt. Just hear this here. Also Moses said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what we are your complaints are not against us. They were going to stone Moses. 
there was three million, roughly an estimation of three million that he bought out from Egypt. They were going to stone him. And he was re redirecting their hearts, showing them what you're doing to me, you're really doing it unto God. So let me tell you something. When you complain, it's directed at one person, God himself. And it's a bit deeper now, I'm going to go a bit deeper now. To show you the results of complaining, of what happens to your heart. This is just, uh, it gets deeper. We go again to Numbers 14, 27. Numbers 14, 27. When you complain, God sees you as what? God sees you as what? Evil congregation. Please be humble here, but reflect today. So many people come to me complaining. You, uh, you're already defeated and expect to receive nothing because you're not content with you and the Lord. Because to think that the reason you're not content is because the things that are happening around you, you've avoided the character and the change of heart in you. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard their complaints which the children of Israel make against me. So any complaining, unfortunately, it's directed at God. So if you want to spoil your journey, complain and stay complaining. Because it's the worst thing you can actually do. And I'll explain what happens. Now, are you ready? Not content or not happy with life leads to complaining, which produces a bitter heart. Let's go to the scripture. Job chapter 1, verse 20 to 22. Now, can I... I'll skip that verse. I'll actually put it, put it. Job fell. Job actually fell. In the beginning, his approach was right, but afterwards he fell. He tempted God, and Satan was able to actually attack him. There was four or five principles, I will preach it another day, of why Satan was allowed to attack Job. So I want to read here. I'll read the scripture first, then I'll show you one scripture of where Job fell. So Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground and to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Now we go to the other scripture. Job chapter 10 verse 1. Now he starts to complain, unfortunately. Now this is from the New Living Translation. It just, it just words it a bit better. It says, I'm, disgu I'm disgusted with my life. 
Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. So isn't it interesting? You being not happy with your life leads to what? Can someone see this, someone? Or do I have to do ABC here? I'm disgusted with my life. I'm not happy with my life. Let me complain. Complaining produces what? Bitter heart. What does the Bible say? Be careful lest any bitter. Departs from the living God. So Hebrews talks about be careful lest any bitter root. What does it do? It grows. It grows. What does complaining do? It doesn't complain once and stop. It starts to grow. You don't get bitter overnight. You don't get disgusted with your life overnight. It grows. Paul warned you about what? Paul warned you about bitterness. He warns you how it begins. Who wants to be pure of the Lord? <laughs> Make me pure, Lord. Stop complaining, my son. Stop complaining, my daughter. Be grateful. Be content. I will leave you, never leave you, nor forsake you. Lord, make me pure, Lord. Stop complaining. Anyways, I'll keep going. So complaining and bitterness, what does it do? It grows. Grows. Doesn't happen overnight. You don't fall overnight. You don't get trapped overnight. But many people, they're trapped today. And they don't know why. And that's the saddest thing. You don't know why. Now, another massive warning here. This one here is probably the biggest verse out of all this teaching. Complaining leads to a very dangerous place where you stop obeying the voice of God. I thank the Holy Spirit how he allowed me to structure this, but it's good. You know why complaining allows you to stop obeying the voice of God? Because you hear your own voice. Let's look at the scripture here. Psalms 106, verse 25. Are we listening online? Good? Good. Thank me later. Thank Jesus that he's going to get you out of this. It's true. Someone will think, what's preventing me from becoming pure in the wisdom of God is I'm not content. What the Holy Spirit's doing, he's going deeper than your complaining, deeper than your bitterness, 
you're not happy, you're not content with your life. How many people feel like that here? They're not happy with their life. Christ is the center of contentment. Not his blessings, not what he can give to you. Nothing other than Christ himself. He is, he is your contentment. How do you feel about that? But I need so many things. <laughs> you will learn Christ is the only contentment you need. That's the beginning for all the blessings. Now look at this here. But complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. Now what does complaining naturally do? It allows you not to obey God's voice anymore. Why? Because you're not content. If you're not content, you won't follow him. It's true. If you're not content with your life, you can't follow Christ. Because there will always be a complaint in your heart that you're not happy where God has taken you. And so many people don't understand all the situations that God allows you to go through is to deal with your character. So a false way to think and look at things is, I'm not content because he's my problem. I'm not content because my situation hasn't changed. No, you're not content because you're not content. You're not happy. You're not happy with your life. And so many people, uh, they, they decline after that. They decline because they're not happy with their life. There's so much regret. So you begin to think now, where's all these secret debates within me? Where's all the secret displeasure within me? You know what it means to be displeasure? It means to be uncomfortable. It means to be irritated. It means to be hard on yourself. And then naturally, when you're not content with yourself, you'll destroy other people's joy. You will destroy other people's blessings. You would become envious, jealousy, like everyone else said here. But there's a deeper root. I'm not content in life. I'm not content with Christ. That's the issue. You're not content with Christ alone. That's the real issue. Okay, next one. People are, people are upset how God has treated them, but never thought about the path they are walking. Let's go to Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 38 to 40. Are we enjoying this? I'm giving the way out of all your trouble. You should be clapping for your life. People are even sadder. You're only sadder if you don't want to change. You should be thanking the Holy Spirit because He's giving you the way out of all your problems you've been wrestling with all your life. Now look at this here. The greatest danger I see people where they go through things, they go through things, they never question or reflect what's actually, what their heart is actually doing. There's never a deep reflection on why they got to that place. 
So let's read it here. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Keep going. Why should the living complain when punished for their sins? So here he's showing us here, why, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. He said, why are you complaining? Uh, go back, please, one second. Why are you complaining when you punished for the very tree you wanted to eat from, which is sin or which, which is evil? Whatever you reap, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. He's saying here, in, 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 in a mind that's narrow, that you're thinking about the punishment that's come upon you because of the thing that you've touched and indulged in, rather than thinking how your heart's actually got there. Now look at this here. Why should the living complain when punished for their sins? Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Ne that's it? Okay, that's it. Psalms 18.26 Psalms 18.26 It says here, with the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. Whose path here is crooked? And they're thinking... I can't get any peace. I can't get any peace in my life. You know the Bible says they failed to enter into his rest because they didn't learn his ways. Does your journey f feel torturous now? Like you're being tortured? You're only tortured because of the path that you've chosen. Absence of God's light. Titus chapter 1 verse 8. I like to put a New Testament scripture in there because some will say, oh, you only preach from the Old Testament. Don't worry. Holy Spirit's covered me already. <laughs> He's covered me already. No. No, wrong scripture. One sec, I'll get that scripture. Just give me a sec, please. I want to really quote this scripture. Fifteen, Titus one fifteen. Okay, so everything is pure to to those hearts, to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving. 
because their minds and their consciences are corrupted. So here it shows you here that the center of being pure goes a bit more deeper. You start to see, why am I doing all these things? Why are all these fruits getting produced from me? I'm uh, finding fault with people, finding fault with situations, attacking everything around me. It's pretty deep. Can someone like, uh, uh, take responsibility for this? Why am I doing all these things here? Because I'm not content with my life with Christ. And I haven't chosen to actually change. Okay, next one. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9 to 11. Now, this is the interesting one here. When we complain, we are attacking God's character and power. When we complain, we are attacking God's character and power. The word test, I'll read the scripture quickly. It says here, Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor complain, as some, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as example, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the age have come. So you can add the, you can put the other scripture. It's, uh, you can add the other scripture. Go to twelve. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. If you want to fall from your secured position, complain. And complain every day. And stay like that. Because that's how you'll be destroyed. Learn to be happy with what you have rather than what you need. Learn. Learn to be grateful with little before you expect big things. Hang on a second. Okay. So, thank the Lord for Sam and Eddie. But I want to share a little s a testimony. But, it, but it's... Um, the blessing hasn't come yet, but I want to share what, what, what has been happening with her permission. Um, they've been praying. They've been praying for, for them, by God's grace, to buy a house. And um, they're, they're living in a granny flat now, by God's grace. And they are preparing to get a house in God's time and in His grace. Now, 
when I got to the house, this is not to expose Sam or Eddie, though we can learn from this, because I think it's healthy that we learn. We can learn from each other. There's mishaps in a lot of our paths, but we can learn from this. Now, the Holy Spirit, I got invited to a barbecue at the house, and the Holy Spirit said, I have something to tell her, but when you get there, I'll show you. So I walked into the kitchen. I walked into the kitchen, and I knew that they're looking, for a, they're, they're looking to move forward from my house. But the Holy Spirit wanted to deal with something a bit more deeper. Now, I started to ask some questions, but it, but it, but it wasn't uh, getting exposed to the real thing that God wanted to deal with. Now, I said to her in the beginning, I said to her in the beginning, um, who brought you to this house? I said, who brought you to this granny flat? She said, God. And I said, I asked you a question. I said, I asked her the question first. Are you happy with where you are? The Holy Spirit told me to ask her, are you happy with where you are? She said, no. And I said, okay. I said, so who brought you to this house to begin with? She said, God. And then she went, oh my God. Oh my God. And it's like the Holy Spirit turned on the light with a simple sentence that allowed her to show her that you can pray until your tongue falls off and you didn't deal with what God wanted to deal with in your heart, your prayer and blessing doesn't come. The Holy Spirit told me, I remember now, the Holy Spirit told me to ask her, tell her, is she happy with where, is, is she happy in this house? She said, no. And I said, then who brought you here? She said, God. And then she went, I can't believe I've been doing this to the Lord. And this is a lesson for all of us because to be honest, we've all complained. And I speak for myself. There's been hard issues, challenging issues that's allowed us to complain. Uh, but we can learn from this. Because whatever you do, you're telling God that your timing is not good. And I'm not happy with where I am. And it's also telling you that God doesn't answer discontentment. Thanks, Sam. Um, can we just get the microphone? <laughs> she started it and we start. So the Holy Spirit spoke through my son, Joseph, and she wants to share it. No, no, don't show it. No. So the Holy Spirit, we didn't have the conversation in the car. Nothing. Nothing was said in the car. It's like the Holy Spirit gave utterance to my son Joseph, and this is what he said when he walked into the house. I don't even know this, you just told me now. Uh, yeah. um, so when Joey walked in, he was sitting in the lounge room, and he's like, oh, is this where they live? And then um, you said, yeah, that, that is. And he goes, wow, that's big enough for everyone to live here. And that was coming from a young boy that was like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm sitting there complaining about where I'm living, and he just saw like, wow, we can all live here. So he taught me, yeah. Amen, thank you, sir. <laughs> so you see that, the Holy Spirit with one sentence, who brought you here?
I will share. So when I moved into Grey Stains, <coughs> when I moved into Grey Stains at my house that I live in now, oh sorry, at Westmead, um, my my mum, my mother came to live with us. And when she came, the Holy Spirit said this to me. The Holy Spirit said this to me. He said to me, I chose your mother to come to your house so I can heal your heart of the things that had to be addressed inside of you. And I can't tell you from hearing that and seeing the deeper relationship and the deeper love that God had to do in my heart regarding me and my mum for those four to five years was something so beautiful. And something, some wisdom behind it, not understanding why you're in a certain situation and what the Holy Spirit's trying to do, you'll fail the test. You'll fail the test. Because sometimes God will allow things to come to purge you or to refine you or to deal with your heart. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit showed me that she was brought to the house to actually heal my heart and to create a, a healthy balance of love in my heart towards her. And I just want to share with you how, how if you don't approach it if you don't approach it with godly wisdom to become pure, then you will, you will treat something that God brought into your family, into your life, as a complaint. Do we understand that? Anything, anything you see, anything you see of what God is really trying to do in your heart will end up being a complaint. So every time God allowed things to happen in my circle was to benefit me, refine my character, make me stronger in God's love, allow me to be bulletproof so we can continue this journey with Christ. But if you, if you don't see it through God's lens where he's trying to make your heart pure, maybe it doesn't benefit them, it's to benefit you, you would miss out on the blessings of God. Now I'll finish here. I'll finish here. When we complain, we attack God's character and power. The word test, the word test, uh, voice down. The word test is a caprizia. It's from the Strong's 1598. And when we complain, we are attacking God's character and power. It means to put to proof God's character and power. I'll close up with James chapter 5, verse... 7 to 16, and I'll stop there. Now, he, again, he's speaking about what? <coughs> again? Four scriptures about the coming of the Lord and how we are to be found blameless in the sight of God. How, how do you feel about that? 
you're going to come face to face with Jesus. Uh, it's not a game here. How do you actually feel about that? You know how I feel about that? The urgency to take my journey serious. That's how I feel. The urgency that I have the grace now to actually change. The urgency that I have the grace now to work on the things that I want. You're going to face the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you like to hear it or not, you're going to face him face to face alone. So it says here, so wait patiently, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. The, the farmer waits expectedly for the precious harvest from the land, being patient about it until it receives the early and, la and late rains. You too be patient, strengthen your hearts, keep them energized and firmly committed to God because the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain against one another, believers, so that you will not be judged for it. Look, the judge is standing right at the door. Now, now hold this one in your heart. As an example, brothers and sisters, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as his messenger and representatives. You know we call those blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God, who were steadfast and endured difficult circumstances. You have heard of the patient endurance of who? What did Job do? He complained. They're quoting what he done. But, but thank God, Job repented after the Lord came to him and gave him a whole paragraph. Did you form this water? Did you stop the earth there? And he gave him a nice... Uh, I don't <laughs> now, isn't it interesting? He fell into judgment with God. Why? Because he complained. And Satan was allowed to attack him, as we read in 1 Corinthians. Now, look what it says here. You have heard of the patient endurance of Job, and you have seen the Lord's outcome, how he richly blessed Job. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He is. But can I tell you something? You will make it so hard for yourself when you get into an area of complaining, which really reflects that you're not content with your life and Christ. Is there any... Now look at this here. This is a doorway now. Oh, sorry. But above all, my fellow believers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any oath. Let your yes be a truthful yes, and your no be a truthful no, so, that you, know, so you may not fall under judgment. Now it's getting deeper. He's showing why people are suffering. They're suffering, if you read it in context, why they're suffering? From complaining. Read the scripture in context. They are suffering because they're complaining. Is anyone among you suffering? He must pray. Pray what? You'll see it, you'll see it at the bottom here. He must pray. Is anyone joyful? He too is to sing praises to God. Is anyone among you sick? He must call the elders, the spiritual leaders of the church, 
and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So suffering and sickness is connected to what? And the prayer of faith, of faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses. Confess the areas that you've actually complained. Because the areas that you've complained, you can never have contentment in that area until you bring it to the Lord. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, believer, can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. So there you have it here. You see... You see, unfortunately, the results of someone who complains. You see the pattern of where it takes you. And you see how diligent we are to be pure and to deal with the first principle that God wants us to produce, get rid of complaining and disputing. Deeper than that, let's start to work at the lack of contentment in your heart. So how many people here, they're not content with their life? They're not content with their life with Christ and their life in general. <coughs> and I'm going to show you, I don't know if it's next week, how not being content is the doorway to greed. But I don't want to go there because there's some deep scriptures here we're going to rattle every cage. But he showed me here, part of this message was to attack greed and how the lack of contentment produces greed. So one leads to complaining, one leads to greed. They're the two ugly partners, but one root, not content. So I just want to give as we can have, but I'm just giving you a, a, an entree of what's to come. Of why you really chase money, and why you're so greedy, because you're not content. So thank the Lord Jesus. I really believe this dealt with so many people here uh, and I thank the Lord for it because he's bringing order in our lives. There's a healthy balance, let me say this humbly, there's a healthy balance of the word here of seeing both the good and the evil, the result of someone who wants to be pure and the result of someone who wants to continuously complain. And the rest is up to you. Okay? So if I hear you complaining, I'm going to chase you down. I'm, gonna ch I'm watching you. I'm actually watching you. <laughs> Believe me, I'm watching. You know why? Because what a dangerous place to be there. But what a shadow shallow place you are in your heart with Christ for you to be like that. What a shallow place for someone to complain and have it hidden and never get resolved or never dealt with. And like I said, not being content shows you're not happy with your life, shows you that Christ is not enough.
and what a deception and what a lie. I'll be happy when this changes. I'll be happy when my breakthrough comes. No, your happiness is Christ now. That's the beginning of something great. Amen? So let's pray. I won't be praying on anyone unless you're in need for the newcomers. Yes, I will pray. I know, I know the Lord uh, spoke to so many people here today. I know this because the Holy Spirit told me that this message to address everyone here. Like I have been every week because He wants to fix us. He wants to bring order in our life. <clears throat> and there's a healthy balance of God's Word with the Holy Spirit of what He's actually doing in our hearts. So please humbly take heed to the message and begin to reflect your heart. You and the Lord at home with the Holy Spirit and your journey will begin to move forward. Amen. You will actually begin to move forward. Lift your hands up to the Lord. We thank you, Father, as we enter your throne of grace by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. We come, Lord, to find mercy, help, and grace in time of need. We come before you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I ask this from you today, that you forgive us from not being content Forgive us from not being content with you, first and foremost, and with our life in general. I thank you, Lord, that Paul preached about the secret of living is to be content. I pray for the gift of contentment, which is Christ Jesus himself, to be made manifest in our life. First in our spirit, then our mind, then our flesh, and then our life. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person here that the spirit of grace is released to birth one major principle, to be content so that we can never complain which is evil. We thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. We thank you that you died on the cross for this evil heart. You died on the cross for such a sin as that. I pray, Lord, that you heal us, restore us, so we can be content, so we can enjoy life with what we have rather than what we need. I pray you help us, Lord, in our spiritual journey, help us in the physical, and allow us to move forward with you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've done here. It is you. We give you all the glory, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your words of life that makes us clean and makes us aware how we are to follow you. I pray, Lord, for the wisdom of God that produces purity, that focuses on contentment that it's birthed in our hearts. I pray for every person here, Lord, you bring order in their life, 
I pray you helped him, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much, Lord. We honor you. I pray you refresh their hearts today. Rejuvenate them so they can fight the good fight of faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I like to pray for people here that I don't know how many they are. But some people here that are having dreams, evil dreams, where they're seeing birds peck at them. I see someone having dreams here where birds are picking on their flesh or they're trying to attack them. If that's you, you come to the front.